BYUSN filling the biggest void on BYU football's roster. With another star in the transfer portal, how does BYU solve the issue to shore up the offense? And men's basketball adds Dawson Baker. What kind of addition is he, and how does the roster look now? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, May 2nd, wherever and however you have chosen to join us, welcome. I am Spencer Linton, alongside a man who for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is indulging in the transfer portal. He is Jerem Jordan. You know, there are those who have access to it, and then there are those who sort of like tell us like so-and-so <laughs> went in. Is there a better name for this, or is this the perfect name? Because when I think transfer portal, I think something out of like Stargate. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, it, shout out to those who have seen Stargate. It's been a hot minute. SG1. <laughs> Where was SG2? Okay, <laughs> um, on today's show, what kind of dudes do the Cougars need to add at wide receiver? Obviously, losing Cody Epps is a big deal. BYU needed guys before Cody Epps. How many do they need? What kind of receivers does BYU need? We'll give our opinions on that. What the addition of Dawson Baker looks like on the men's basketball roster. Plus, he will join us on the program coming up next segment. Men's golf is in the house. The champs are here. Zach Jones, the medalist, the winner of the WCC Championships, and the director of BYU Golf, Todd Miller, will be in studio. And we welcome, uh, would we welcome, BYU playing Big 12 games in Mexico. Who's saying what? Here are today's headlines. Beginning with the young man who Jerem just mentioned, Dawson Baker, signs with Mark Pope in BYU men's basketball, a 6'4 guard from UC Irvine has scored over 1,000 combined points in three seasons. He's a return missionary, obviously has ties to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Second team all Big West honors last season for Dawson Baker. Again, as Jerry mentioned, what this means for the roster on the way. Softball loses to number two UCLA 7-2. Hunter Ava and Violet Zavodnik both went yard. Next up, the Cougars host Pacific Friday in a double header. Also Hunter Ava during the game. Uh, literally, was named WCC Player of the Week. That's what happens when it's Monday afternoon. Mm -hmm. After hitting 616 last week, slugged 1.385. If you slug over 1,000, that's <laughs> something else. So she had a great week. Hey, listen, for BYU softball to get into the tournament, it's pretty simple. Win six games in the West Coast Conference and root for LMU to lose twice to San Diego in two weeks. Amen. And I liked Zavodnik's kind of Euro into home. That was nice. Oh, yeah. That was good. Mix Romanus earns ABCA Honorable All-American honors. Romanus led the team in points, 362 kills, 313 total, sorry, 313 kills, uh, and he led in total attempts and hit percentage. Men's volleyball has also signed a newbie. He is Kyle Sauer, 6'9", right-handed setter out of Elgin, Illinois. He fills a huge void, last played for Sports Performance Volleyball Club. Tall setter in BYU history, 6'9". Let's go. 6'9". Baseball plays at UC San Diego tonight, 9 Eastern on the BYU radio app. It's the first meeting between the two ever. Shout out Jeff, Jeff Toriel, former WCC uh, uh, administrator who works at UC San Diego. Mm -hmm. Cougars uh, then play at San Diego in league Thursday. As for BYU men's golf and the West Coast Conference awards, head coach Bruce Brockbank earns Coach of the Year honors Zach Jones and Carson Lundell named to the all-conference team. Max Brenchley, an all-WCC honorable mention for your 2023 West Coast Conference team champions. How about Carson doing it three times? That guy's a baller, man. It's pretty amazing. Peyton Wilgar will attend rookie minicamp with the Chiefs, according to Kevin Reynolds of the Salt Lake Tribune. If he doesn't get picked up by the Chiefs, he'll go to the Bills rookie minicamp next week. Good luck to Peyton. BYU women's soccer currently in Vienna because, you know, 
That's what happens when you get to go on international trips. <laughs> Volleyball, women's volleyball is going this year too. Awesome, playing FFC Austria Vienne today. And uh, on the soccer front, you mentioned it yesterday, Jerem, but we'll bring it up again. Sophomore forward Daviana Vaca announced yesterday she has entered the transfer portal. Fun fact, I saw Jacob Conover and Daviana Vaca on campus at the softball game yesterday. Hey, how about that? And when you say soccer's playing today, they're literally playing in 26 minutes. They're on the pitch right now. They're playing tonight, yes. but today Greg for Rubel is with them on tour. <laughs> hey, that'd be fun to be a broadcaster on tour with the team. Hint, hint, anybody <laughs> else besides Greg? Yeah, they're going to play here in a couple of minutes. In the words of Indiana Jones, Vienna is beautiful this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. All wants the deep throw. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. A shockwave was sent through the BYU football roster with the announcement that Cody Epps at the 11th hour was entering the transfer portal the last day he could do so without having to incur a penalty, forcing him to sit out for a year before he could play again. To be determined where Epps ends up, but the problem at hand for BYU is now a room that already needed some depth needs even more depth. So Jerem... With Cody Epps now essentially gone, how many or what kind of wide receivers does BYU and Coach Fessy Satake need to properly replace Epps and make everybody feel better about what that wide receiver core will be in year one of the Big 12? Let us remind ourselves that BYU is not playing in the Mountain West and they are not an independent. They are in the Big 12. So my standard is a little higher in this regard. I would like to walk into a season at receiver specifically. I don't include tight ends in this where I go, okay, they're like three or four dudes, and then there's a couple other guys that you're excited about going into a season. I would like to have five trusted guys at receiver because injuries, because ineptitude, because various reasons. Right now you're, it feels like two, right? There's two, Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts. Um, there are other young guys that we're excited about that we mentioned yesterday. Let's mention them again. And we're going to leave out some on accident. JoJo Phillips and Devin Downing and – Name them all. Dom Henry. Dom Henry from Florida. There are some young guys. Uh, Parker Kingston. Yes. There are Those four kind of stick out to me. We'll see what happens in fall camp. But there are some good players. Uh, you know, there are guys like Tanner Wall, and uh, I think Tanner Wall switched positions. Hobbs Nyberg trying to get in the mix. BYU still needs to go in the portal. And to me, at this point, needs to get three dudes. When I say dudes, I mean guys who have – at least caught 30 passes and 300 yards and three touchdowns. Like, at least that coming in to give themselves an opportunity here. Perhaps there's the Alex Barcelo principle, which is, I was at a big school, but I didn't play much. Now I come in, I get a chance, maybe I show you. Um, maybe there are some of those guys. I, would, I wouldn't mind that either. Aiden Robbins was that guy at Louisville, but proved himself at UNLV. And now BYU's like, we're bringing in a 1,000-yard rush. Mm. Let's go. I, I need a couple of guys like that. Because Cody Epps was a big deal. He had 39 catches, 459 yards, and six touchdowns. It wasn't just those numbers, which aren't massive numbers. Those are good. But it was that he had 13 catches for 225 and three touchdowns against Notre Dame and Arkansas. Yes. Like in the, some of the biggest games he delivered. Shocker, so, Notre Dame's interested in him. So there you go. They're like, we saw you on film against us. <laughs> I would like three dudes similar to some of that uh, production to come in for BYU because it's the Big 12, baby. Yeah, hard to know. 
what's even available right now because the, the portal feels so fluid. And I mean, if, if you spend 10 minutes looking at, you know, guys that have gone into the portal, you'll see offered by 25 or 30 schools and BYU is involved You're in that. You're shooting mix, a shot. Right? You know, yeah, as they should. With Colorado guys and so on. If you give me, well, I, yeah, I'm with you. I feel like BYU would benefit from having three guys with experience. But if you can get me at least two that are guys that were like somewhat to medium-sized production for their teams at the divisional level, I'm good. Okay? Whatever. At least if, two. If, if it's Dom Henry or Parker Kingston or somebody else that needs to step up and fill that fifth role and learn and grow and be young, fine. BYU has to have at least two. And I'm not asking for like four-star receivers. Give me two no. three-star receivers yes. Yes. that have experience at the Division One yes. level. Yes, that have something to prove, that need an opportunity. Yes. And it's not going to make up for Cody Epps. And let's just clarify His something. His upside is so yes. high. That's what yes. hurts. That's what That's hurts That's why here. it hurts. Like, I think there's this idea that, oh, we were questioning his integrity for going after money or a better situation. No, this is the world we live in. We love and support Cody. It hurts because he is so good and we don't want him to leave. Yeah. Like, it's we a credit him to him. We, we want you in, care. We want you in a BYU jersey more than we want you yes. in someone else's jersey. If, if, it, if we on. didn't care that he was leaving, yeah. then, it would, then it would not be good for him. Yes. Um, Aaron Roderick told me at the end of spring ball a couple weeks ago, we have five to six scholarships to use on wide receivers if we want. So I wonder if BYU brings in four or five, dude. They may bring in wow, a, bunch. a bunch. I don't know. Maybe they will. And if you want to know who is going after, Jeff Hansen did a nice article on 24-7 yeah. Sports yesterday. Give me at least two, three stars with some Division One experience at wide receiver. <sighs> and it's the Big 12, man. You need a whole crew. Let's you go. need, like, a boy band of awesomeness, like, ready to go. <laughs> Topic two. UC Irvine's leading scorer from last year, Dawson Baker, is the second transfer portal addition to the men's basketball team. What kind of addition is he? A much-needed addition. And I love that he is a guy that's a return missionary that BYU did go into the portal and – Essentially, I saw somebody say, you're coming home to BYU. Yes. <laughs> we love a good prodigal <laughs> son story. You're coming home, Dawson Baker. I like that he's a three-level scorer, Jerem. I like that he can do a lot of What's things. What's not to love about that? Okay, 37% three-point shooter. Uh, yes, please. Can BYU use that after the struggles that BYU had from the three-point line last year? The inconsistency, And I you add say. Trevin Nill. Yes. And you keep Spencer Johnson. And he draws a lot of fouls, Jerem. Like, that is his best attribute. Yes. I love that, which means he's aggressive. I said, just give me a dude that wants the ball in his hands, that wants to go hard to the rack and try and score and get to the free throw line and, you know, manip manipulate the game so the BYU can get some more points from the free throw line or whatever, okay? But just force the issue. I want a guy that is a dog that wants the ball in his hands, and I feel like Dawson Baker is that guy. He's, like, he's a guy like that. I like the leading score on a championship team. 100%. They won the regular season in the Big West. 15 a game. He's gotten better every year. He shoots really efficiently, 47% from the field, 37 from three. You mentioned his ability to get to the free throw line. He's top 200 in college basketball in fouls drawn. Uh, shoots 80% from the free throw line as yeah. well. Two years of eligibility. It's not a one and done guy. He's got two years. Same with Ali Khalifa. So these guys are yeah. core pieces for the next couple of years with Jackson Robinson, Dallin Hall, Trevenel's got two years if he wants. Foos, Satiki, and so Richie on. Saunders is in there. Yep. None, um, you know, so now nine of the 13 players on the roster are backcourt players. I still feel like uh, BYU probably needs to go and get another frontcourt player. Mm -hmm. um, it might actually be 10 of the 13. But the future's bright. I'm excited about this. Here's a guy that, and we'll find out, like, did you grow up? 
liking BYU at all? Is this like out of the blue? Obviously, he knows about BYU being a member of the church and so on. But uh, I, I love the idea of a guy that at the end of the shot clock can make a play. Last year it was Rudy Williams or Dallin Hall. Yes. Dallin Hall is getting to be a three-level scorer. But the fact that Dawson, Dawson immediately becomes the end of the shot clock guy. Why not, immediately. The, why not the end of the game guy, Jerem? He could be the end of the game guy. Experienced. He's already played three years. He's won a championship in the Big West. Um, he comes in hungry. So Ali Khalifa and Dawson Baker are dudes from non-Power 6 leagues that come into a Power 6 league and can showcase their skills at a, with the, in front of 19,000 fans against Kansas and Baylor and Houston and so on in the Marriott Center on big-time games on ESPN and Fox and what, Fox Sports and whatnot. This is, this is exciting. I'm excited about this guy. we got to figure out a good nickname. we got to use Taylor Swift lyrics. Baker going to bake, 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 bake. we got to figure out what to do with this guy. But I'm very excited about his ability to score the basketball efficiently. Like, when he shoots, he values that ball in the possession. Yes. I can tell. Yes. He's not rushed. He, he finishes at the rim. He's got a nice game in the lane. Like, yeah. there's there's not a lot to not like about Dawson Baker right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. His career average scoring is 13.7. Is, is I think we just showed that. Okay. Yeah. He's been double figures, freshman, sophomore, junior, up uh, to 15 last year. He averages up Baker's dozen. Hey! <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> I love it. Anchor I know, boy. I know that last year it was 15.3, which is amazing. Yes, dropped 33 in a game last year. I love that high end, right? Uh, I, the assist number is kind of low, but, like, he's not a true point guard. He's, like, a two guard no. that's going to score the basketball. So, it, does he start right away is, is a question. I, I think it's a fun but crowded yes. backcourt. That's what I was going to bring where up. Where you have Dallin Hall, you have Jackson Robinson. Uh, Spencer you know, you Johnson, Spencer Trevin Johnson, Nell. Trevin, like, Richie Saunders vying for time. I think no matter what, BYU has great depth in the backcourt. Like, some really, like, you have two or three dudes that could be starting easily coming off the bench. Oh, does Trey Stewart make a leap um, in his ability to shoot the ball outside of his defense? It, I, I like where BYU's going. I still want a couple more pieces, though, on this team. I think BYU still needs two or three guys to, to change the fate of this season. I need a point guard in there somewhere, a true point guard. Need a true point guard, yep. Just to help out Downhall a little bit. Need a backup four, in my opinion. Okay, find yeah. me a point guard. Yeah, bring on a four. But I like that now we're getting to the point where it's like, oh, man, there are proven – tested players that have done some things and they're all going to battle for the starting five and for playing time. This is a good scenario. Okay, we're getting to, yes. to a better scenario. And they get a chance. Again, I, uh, BYU uh, gives these guys a chance to prove it at a really high level in the Big 12. And that's part of the reason they're probably coming is, is BYU and Big 12. Yeah. Goodness, if you got to bring Spencer Johnson or Trevin Nell off the bench. Are you kidding me? Awesome. Those are good options <laughs> off the bench. If I'm Spencer Johnson, I'm like, dude, I'm a starter. Right. I'm a starter. If Jackson Robinson is I'm your sixth man. I feel like a starter. Like, BYU, this, this is good. This is a good situation for BYU to be in. We were worried. Yeah. Well, I still want a couple weapons. All right. Still want a couple guys. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm with you. I want a yep. point guard. Go get a point guard for yep. sure. Our question of the day. What does BYU need to add on the football side at wide receiver to make you feel confident in that group after losing – Cody Epps in the transfer portal, and it is a big loss. Ben Peterson on Twitter says, BYU just needs depth. We did know what Epps could be. We didn't know uh, what Epps could be until he showed us on the field. Sure. The player that will fill his role could already be on the team. So if they go find a couple of more receivers that want to play for BYU, it should be fine. BYU walked into last year with 
proven Puka Nakua, proven Gunnar Romney. We felt really good about Keanu Hill. We didn't know anything about Chase Roberts because he hadn't really played yet. Um, and Cody Epps hadn't really played either. You got, so you got to your fourth and fifth guys, right, with that. That's yeah. what we're saying is you need those fourth and fifth guys to be ready to go. I would prefer in the Big 12 that BYU not ask a freshman to do something or a redshirt freshman. Ideally, that's your sixth and seventh guy who can become the fourth and fifth guy should there be any issues or injuries. And how much of Cody Epps leaving is now a lure for a guy that is in the transfer portal? It's like, well, BYU we need just you to be lost a guy. another guy. Like, we, you be can helpful. be a yeah. starter right now. There, it does help that way where it's like, how crowded is that room? Like, when BYU got the Lone Peak 3, there were certain guys that said no um, because they were like, well, it seems like you've got your main guys. So, to your point, that can be helpful in recruiting. Yeah, maybe because it's not as crowded. A few more guys are like, oh, yeah, I can go to BYU and play in the Big 12 and be a contributor and a main guy right now. And scream from the rooftops. Well, look at uh, our last two number ones. They have been drafted. So, Interesting. Uh, this is a place where yes. you get drafted as a receiver now. Let's All go. right. Hashtag BYO. Send Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to join the combo. Game day, ball night for BYU baseball. Taking on UC San Diego, 9 Eastern on the BYU radio app. That's before they play San Diego coming up Thursday. Up next, we were just talking about him, the Baker's Dozen. Nice. Dawson Baker joins us next. Meet BYU's newest guard, the transfer from UC Irvine on BYU Sports Nation next. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. In Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. And it is now time to welcome in the newest member of the BYU basketball team, a transfer portal addition from UC Irvine, a former Big West champion and leading scorer for UCI. He is Dawson Baker. Dawson, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. And congratulations on yeah, becoming a part of Mark Pope's <laughs> BYU basketball squad. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here. I'm happy to be on this this platform right now. It's been a long time coming for me. Where does your history with BYU basketball begin? Fandom, uh, your recruitment, walk us through all of that. Yeah, well, just being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you kind of have a well understanding of BYU and what they're all about. Um, and in high school, I got some recruitment a little bit from them, but nothing too serious. Um, and then Irvine was the most serious out of all the schools I talked to and ended up committing to them. Um, but I always, you know, I always knew that was a, a stage I've envisioned myself playing at when I was a little kid. Uh, and I think a lot of people in the church do that when they're kids and they play sports. They envision BYU to be that platform just because of the fan base, the people around there, the community. Everything is so special there. Um, and so for me, it started when I was little. Uh, it didn't really happen right away and I had to work for it. But Maybe it made me cherish it a little bit more. I'm, I'm excited to finally be here. Who's the relative or person in your ward or friend that's like the big BYU fan that reached out to you was like, yeah, baby. <laughs> there was a lot of them. There was a lot <laughs> of them. My brother, my brother uh, attended school there, and he was a big, uh, big supporter of this. He was really happy for me. He loved his experience at BYU, and so he was thrilled for me. Now, Dawson, you said you always wanted to be on this type of stage, and obviously BYU playing the Big 12 is a big stage, no doubt. 
when did you feel like, okay, I've done what I needed to do at UC Irvine and BYU is the place? Like, wh when did that timeline begin? I think this the way this year went. I mean, I felt very comfortable in my ability in this conference uh, down here. Um, I did. I felt like I kind of did a lot that nothing more would kind of mean too much of, you know? I, I thought like I scored enough points, won enough games to kind of prove myself here. Um, and I wanted, I was just ready for that jump. It just, I just felt ready. Um, and today, or this this year, I guess, after the season, it just felt right that having two years instead of one year to kind of, instead of putting one year of putting all my eggs in one basket and trying to jump into it and hope it goes well, at least give me two years to kind of figure it out for a year and, and, and hopefully have a better fifth year. From a historical standpoint, you're going to be on BYU's first Big 12 team, which is super cool. But let's talk about your game. We've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you statistically and now talking to you. But looking at your film, too, three-level score, you finish at the rim really well, and you draw a lot of fouls. Why is that such an important part of your game? Yeah, I think it's huge because you got to be a three-level score if you're going to be any good, get any good score. You know, if you rely too heavily on one aspect of your game, you're not going to go very far. Um, and so my ability, I think, to, to shoot it and look at the rim and, and draw defense in a little bit to kind of create some edges and make plays and get to the paint is a, a big aspect of my game. Um, and it helps players you're playing with because you only have a guy on the floor that can make a deep shot but also get to the paint and draw defenses and make teams collapse. Um, that's when good things happen in offenses. Um, so having a player like that is pretty dangerous for a team. Um, and so that's a lot of the same things I'm looking to do at BYU, you know, be able to draw two defenders and make the right play and, and start an offense that's that's high functioning as well as shooting and also playing off the dribble. Dawson Baker, BYU men's basketball transfer, is with us on BYU Sports Nation from UC Irvine. Now with two years of eligibility, will come to Provo and compete for Mark Pope and the Cougars. Jeremy and I were just talking about BYU needing a guy that wants the ball in his hands at the end of the shot clock and, frankly, the ball in his hands at the end of the game. So how do you feel about handling that scenario for this BYU team? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be anything new to me, um, just for a different team, I guess. You know, growing up in high school, you're always kind of that guy. And then and at UCI, I was kind of that guy where I kind of had the ball in my hands and needed to make big shots. And there was a lot of times this season where I had three, four, or five go-ahead buckets to win a game. Um, so it's not anything new for me, something that I'm not scared of. I don't, I don't think I've, I'd be too fearful to have in that moment. It kind of excites me. It's the reason why you play. What did BYU tell you about your potential role and how you fit into this group next year? Yeah, um, they mentioned kind of my, my veteran leadership uh, as being an aspect for this team. Um, this team's fairly young compared to how many I've played three years and won a lot of games, scored a lot of points. And he saw that as a big benefit for me um, going into this situation where I can come in and, and be kind of a proven guy to help lead lead those around me and going to the big 12 where you kind of need a guy that's has a little bit of some some wars and and some battles under his belt where he can go in and be ready to fight and compete and so i think they saw a lot of that in me what is mark pope like as a recruiter specifically in the transfer portal and how was your interaction with him and the staff it was great i mean coach pope's awesome i mean he's a very personable guy you kind of really get to know him as a person spends a lot of quality time. He's really good at spending quality time with you and really just getting to know you. And and he, he's very good at just being interested in, in you as a person and also a basketball player. Um, and for me, it was, 
we connected really quick off basketball. We love talking basketball and it was something that kind of clicked naturally for us. And on my visit, we spent a lot of time together just in the car talking and at his place and around the, around campus. And so, you know, the, and the rest of the staff was awesome. You know, they were super fascinated about my mission and super fascinated just about me as a person and the connections between me and BYU. And they were, they were all so hyped about me coming there and being a part of this team. Uh, we know, but tell the audience where you went on a mission and what that was like, because it's one of the more unique ones. Yeah, yeah. So I went on my mission in Micronesia, Guam, um, and that consists of uh, seven or eight different islands, three different time zones. And <laughs> the place that I stayed was called the uh, Chuk Lagoon. Um, and so it's a pretty primitive area, no running water, no electricity. And so you know, small little islands, that island was about 200 people on it. And so it's it's small and it's it was a blast. It was so much fun. I, I, I miss it. And it was a great experience for me. Dawson, it was a clear, unfair advantage for you to go there and develop your basketball game, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was definitely a boost. In that <laughs> it's a boost in life, but in sports, it's just tough, right? Spencer went to South Korea. I went to Brazil. Yeah, we, we didn't have an island of just 200 homies, no running water. But uh, we had it easy. Um, what role did the Big 12 play in this decision? Like, if BYU is still in the WCC, are they an equally good draw for you? Yeah, being in the Big 12, it was enticing for me, you know. I kind of mentioned earlier in a quote, um, I've kind of been groomed for a situation like this my whole career. Um, and for me, it was it's enticing to go to a place where it's like, you know, why not give it your all and go to the best conference and, and see what happens, you know. Um, I'm just the kind of person I am. You know, I always told people when they ask me, why do you play basketball? I tell them, you know, to see how good I can become and how far it can take me. And this is a perfect opportunity to really, to really see that. Um, and so for me, it was a, it was a, it was a big enticing deal for me to kind of go in the Big 12. It was, it was a, it'd be a fun challenge. I'm excited a lot about it. Dawson Baker, BYU men's basketball transfer is on BYU Sports Nation. I know it's early, and you did spend some time here, and your recruitment maybe got to know the guys a little bit. But how would you define your relationships with current members of the team as currently constituted? Yeah, no, I had uh, plenty of guys reach out just in this whole process. Um, and there's a lot of guys you kind of make good connections with, serving missions and having that kind of background with the church. Um, and so it's pretty easy to connect with a lot of those guys on that team there. And, um, yeah, a lot of them reached out. We're, we're thrilled about having me kind of come and join the squad. And, and they're all really excited to be in the Big 12. They're all great dudes and, and excited for this challenge and to go in with guns blazing and ready to make something happen. Trevin Nell and Spencer Johnson were probably like, hey, we're also like 23-year-old, uh, you know, juniors. Uh, so join the right. club. Like, this is, this is a place <laughs> where you are uh, familiar and welcome, right? Um, right. Any, any good nicknames with the last name Baker? Ah, oh, man. Um, D. Bake was one that kind of stuck in high school. Um, but I'll leave that up for Cougar Nation to kind of decide on something that's, that's fitting for me and BYU and, and the last name Baker. Just more puns for cheesy broadcasters like us, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I just, I'm excited for you to score 13 points every game so that I, we can Baker's say Baker's does it. It's great. Yeah, uh, it's great. <laughs> it's a for Dawson, it's great to talk to you, man. Uh, we're thrilled that you're a part of BYU basketball. When do you get to campus? I still got some school left here, about uh, six or seven weeks. Um, and so hopefully around June, I can kind of get up there and, and get a place settled and, and ready to move forward. All right, we look forward to it. Uh, when you come on the show, you get BYU Sports Nation karma. So we're going to send it to you to finish out school strong, finals and whatnot. 
Good luck the final six or seven weeks. We'll see you on campus uh, in a little more than a month. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You got it. Dawson Baker, recent transfer for BYU men's basketball, leading scorer. Brother Baker. For UC Irvine. Brother Baker. 15.3 a game. Uh, and he's the Big 12 freshman of the year in 2021. Second team all Big West performer last year. This is a critical addition for BYU. He's not just a good fit because he's a return missionary. He's got to have game, obviously. But he has game, and he just happens to be a return missionary. Does that make sense? It's a great fit, and I'm very excited about Dawson because he is a guy who has a skill set that I think is lacking a little bit on the team, which is the finisher at the rim and, and the finish uh, at the end of the shot clock. Downhall started to become one of those guys. Um, but like ball in your hand guy that wants it and is driving and looking to get to the free throw line or finish at the rim, I think he excels in that more than anyone currently on the roster. Granted, there are guys who will develop that. Yeah. Dallin Hall, the, the best of them, I think. But I'm excited to add that skill set to yes. this group. That is something that was probably missing. Jerem, he's a guy that hit four or five in his words, go ahead buckets to win games in critical scenarios. This is what BYU needs. This is the way. <laughs> they need Last a critical year, shot like, maker. True freshman off a of mission, Dallin Hall, save us against Missouri and State. He, and and to his credit, he did twice. He did. He did. And there were a couple games where BYU didn't finish at the end. Was, now, which was now he's got a teammate that wants the ball. Against Gonzaga at home, throw the ball to Dawson Baker. You win that game. Yes. If you miss any interviews, Deep Blue shows, games, you can find them on BYUSN.com or the free BYU TV app. Up next... Why Jerem Jordan loves, loves, continued loves. Yep. In the spirit of Bronco Mendenhall, the newest Big 12 scheduling idea. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow the show on social media. Uh, BYU Sports Nation is the name of the program if you're new. Hi. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. You know what time it is. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Brand presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Yesterday, the Houston Chronicle reported the Big 12 is eyeing a multi-year deal for football and men's basketball games in Mexico Ooh. as soon as 2024. Do you like this idea? I like this for you, Jerem. The for Mexican me? colonies. For my, for my, well, it's far away from the Mormon colonies. <laughs> it's not in Chihuahua. They're looking at Mexico City and uh, Monterey. In Monterrey, you have the uh, Estadio BBVA. It's called the Steel Giant. They're actually going to play some World Cup games there. I like Monterrey better than Mexico City. <laughs> Mexico City is up there and schmoggy. Yes. Uh, but it would be, I think this is cool. And the Big 12 is so innovative. They, they haven't said they're doing it. They just said they're looking at it. Like, they're looking to just be creative and different and unique. I would love yeah. a game in Mexico City. My mom grew up in Mexico City for a couple years okay. in the 60s. Like, obviously, there are members of the church there who would show up at the game, and like, it'd be a fun trip for BYU fans to go to Mexico. The international it's not Cancun, though. The international vibe is a cool one, for sure. And Brett Yormark, super innovative. Yes. All, all about growing the sport and the game. Just don't take on a Mexican national team, and I think you'll be okay. Because if you face any Mexican national team in any sport, it's going to be absolutely brutal. Ask Eric Winalda of BYU of US Men's Soccer, who said, I walked into studio Azteca, uh, the Estadio Azteca, and my eyes, I think, started to bleed. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's, the elevation's so crazy. Elevation's so much crazy smog. Like, yeah. He's like, it's the craziest, worst experience I've ever had. <laughs> well, and Mexico's tough. Yes, it Their is. Their teams are tough. Yes, it is. With the addition of Dawson Baker, who we just spoke with, he's awesome. BYU basketball is now among the next four out in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. 
should say they were still there a few weeks back. No, well, they were out last week. Now they're back in. Okay, so now they're in, back in. out, in. I guess all you got to do is add a guy, Ali Khalifa, to get in, and now they add Dawson Baker, yes. and they're one of the last four ends. Yes. How close do you really think BYU is to being an NCAA tournament team? I think BYU is still a player or two away. I, probably two or th maybe two or three. I, and again, we need to see the improvement of the existing players, how these added pieces, are they better than Rudy Williams and Gideon George combined? We certainly hope so. Um, I don't know. And how tough is the Big 12? Maybe BYU is very improved, but the Big 12 is so tough, BYU can't sort of display that because it's going to be hard to win more games. 17 and 14, 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. Let's go. That's the way, man. Let's, let's Yesterday, go. Yesterday, the Vikings released the rookie jersey numbers. Jaron Hall will near, wear number 16. Is Blaine Fowler the happiest about this? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, what other BYU quarterback has really been associated with the number 16? It's pretty much Baylor only. Baylor Romney? Yeah, it's, it's Blaine and Baylor, right? So is Baylor competing with Blaine in terms of happiness level that Jaron's wearing 16 in the league? I don't think uh, Baylor, Baylor really cares. Keel. Ba Baylor's very, Baylor's very in Adobe. <laughs> Just doing Adobe stuff, you know? Baylor's crunching numbers and making a lot of money. Yes. Uh, yeah, Blaine's probably the happiest about this. Yeah, I don't know that. This is this is hey, this is an excuse to just bring up the chance we're in number 16. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's, that's the cool point of the question. His name and know that he's going to wear that jersey for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, outstanding. That's cool. BYU men's volleyball announces the signing of six foot nine inch setter, tallest setter ever. You said for mm -hmm. BYU, Jerem. Yep. Kyle Sauer is Sauer a capable replacement for Heath Hughes? TBD. Noah Haynes certainly feels like the incumbent who will compete for that spot. Cooper Jarman will compete as well, but coming off an injury. Yeah, we'll see. Certainly the setter is a huge position. Heath Hughes changed the fortunes of this season. He was better than we thought, and BYU was better than we thought. So hopefully Kyle Sauer is really good, and if he's the yeah. starter, he's gotta be awesome. I'm just sad he can't set Ben Patch. Sauer to Patch. Nice. Sour Patch. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fun. Oh my goodness. And he can set it high enough for Ben. Yes, too. yes, he Sometimes can. I set him low, it's like, chuck it up there. Is he taller than Ben Patch? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Ben was like 6'8-ish. That's tough to do. Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle Sauer. Can't jump higher though, I'll tell you that. Welcome to BYU Volleyball. Yep. Up next, the champs are here. Hey. Zach Jones and his head coach Todd Miller of BYU Men's Golf. They brought the hardware to Studio B. It was super yeah. dramatic on Saturday. We're going to hear all about it. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with just a couple of champions hanging out in the Cougar Council Let's room. show the hardware they, they brought, they brought in here, the trophies. too. Okay. Okay. We've got the team trophy for winning the West yep. Coast Conference Men's Golf Championship. Take that, Pepperdine. And the medalist <laughs> trophy for the individual championship, courtesy of Zach Jones. Hey. Yes, it is Zach Jones and his head coach, Todd Miller, with us. Congratulations, Gentlemen, guys. that was awesome. An awesome performance in dramatic fashion on Saturday as well. Yeah, it was good stuff. Great week yeah, for the Cougars, awesome. for sure. What's that like for you on Saturday when you know San Francisco is literally nipping at your heels to try and win this conference side and you're trying and, to hold and them And Pepperdine's ranked sixth in the country, yes, big time team. Get the rivalry yep. there. Oh, I mean, we were, we were definitely worried about San Francisco. They shoot low scores, but Pepperdine is the main team we were worried about. I mean, they, they win the conference championship almost every year. So for us, we we're like, we're going to have to hold out off one of the best teams in the country, a sure. national champion team. So 
Wow. And Zach, you guys made it interesting as a team because on the par 5 11th, there are a couple of double bogeys there. Yeah. But then you guys respond down the stretch. Kind of recap what happened here as a team. Yeah, so there was a lot going on at the start of the back nine, and I was checking the leaderboard often for looking at the team, looking at where we're sitting, but also looking at where I was sitting. And I look at that stretch because I was the last guy coming through it, and it looked like it was playing really hard. In a lot of double bogeys, a couple of bogeys, and we dropped like all the way behind, and we were now trailing going into the final few holes. Um, but I knew we had a par five coming up, 14, and we had a drivable par four to finish on. So I was like, hey, if we can just kind of hang in range and then make a couple birdies on 14 and 18, and maybe sneak a couple more in, we could we could still come back and catch them. But okay. it was definitely right there. It was nerve-wracking. On the 14th, Mac Brenchley makes a 90-foot eagle. What happened there, Todd? <laughs> so he had actually drove it in the other fairway. So he's hitting over these. He's three, one of us. Three huge pines. <laughs> he's got like yeah. uh, probably 180 to the hole, and he's got to hit it over these three pines. And so it took us a while to try to figure out the yardage where he wanted to land it. And unfortunately, the wind was switching, and he hits it, hits the wind, comes out 90 feet short. Oh. And we're having to putt up this, oh, this slope gosh. and then over the hill. And luckily, I mean, we've played Gold Mountain a few times, and we're looking at this putt, and we really got into the read. Like, Max was looking at him, looking at it. It breaks probably four times during this <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and so we, we read it. We're like, we want to come over the ridge right at this spot, and then it's going to come down and break a little bit right at the end. And he hits it, gets over the ridge, and I'm videoing him. I'm like, yeah, that looks pretty good. Yeah, I really like it. And, <laughs> and I mean, it had like six feet to, hole, to the hole in it. Max knew it was oh. hit right in the center. We went crazy. We went <laughs> when, when that happens and you're trailing, right? You, yeah. You've doubled it. Are you like, okay, we got a shot here? Yeah, for we got sure. A shot. I mean, okay. you could see the other players in the group just like, whoa. <laughs> They're like, you know, they lost a little bit of their own momentum and we got it. And, and it was fun. I mean, that was, that was as fun as it gets. See, see a player make a 90-foot putt. Oh, my Ooh. goodness. In that, that situation. Yeah. Yeah, that like, might, you have stuff on the line. Yeah, it might happen twice, two, three times in your career where you yeah. make a putt Amazing. that long in a big tournament. But Amazing. it doesn't happen very often. When a putt like that goes in, and there is, I mean, you said you go crazy. Like, do you cheer loud? And do, does, do you hear that in other places on the course? Or do you keep, is it kind of like a quiet... Quiet dignity cheer. <laughs> no, we were both screaming. <laughs> what is this, the yeah. MTC? Yeah. Let's go. There were some fist pumps. There were some high fives. We oh, were getting yeah. after it. There are some That's teams awesome. that are really quiet, but we get a, we get excited when we make a big pot or something. Zach, when did you know? Like, when did you feel like, okay, it's ours? Like, what, what was the moment? I don't think there wasn't one during the tournament. So I checked the, I checked the leaderboard. So I had a mess on 14 myself. I don't know if you've heard about this story, but I was down off the left side and it took us probably 30 minutes to get a ruling figured out, like if I could get relief from these tire marks. And eventually they said yes. And then me and Todd spent another 15 minutes just like moving tree branches out, <laughs> just <laughs> taking my drop, Jeez. finally got to place it and then hit it up on the Green Bay Par. So I was now like an hour behind Max's group. So I didn't even know really what was going on. Oh, wow. And because of that whole ruling, I was kind of flustered for a couple holes. But I checked the leaderboard again after I parred 15 and parred 16. So I look on 16, and now I was like, okay, we, like, Tyson birdied 17. I think Carson had already made his birdie on 18, and Max was up on, you know, 18T with a chance to make birdie too. So I was like, okay, we can, like, we're, like, we're, like, tied now. Like, we can really make a run here. Um, and then I rolled in a bomb on 17 for birdie, which was a crazy putt too. And then it was like going to 18 with a two-shot lead. That's Oof. when I knew, like we, you know, we were kind of 
you're right there. What's that pressure like knowing, okay, I can bogey this and we still win, <laughs> but you get, you got to do it, right? Yeah, well, the problem was is I had a one-shot lead over the kid, uh, Riley Lewis from LMU, who was already in. In the individual in, competition. Yeah, in yes. the individual. So I was like, okay, I just need to make a par. I could, make bogey, I could make bogey to win the tournament, but a par, I needed a par to win the individual side. Right, too. you got so both it's kind going. Of, yeah. I mean, golf is such an individual sport, you don't usually have the double pressure of, man, my team's counting on me and my individual score is counting to try to win the tournament. So. And are they standing on 18 watching since oh, you're yeah, the last guy? All Everyone's the parents, there. All the, fan, all the other teams all up on 18 watching. There's a gallery. Out. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it was pretty nerve-wracking coming up 18 knowing I had to make a par to win <laughs> both. And a bogey to win the team. So. So are you, what emotionally? What's that like when you when you don't make the par putt? So you know, okay, I'm probably going to a playoff here. Yeah. But hey, we win the team if I make this next putt. Oh yeah. It's like it's, a weird emotional. It's really weird. Well, first of all, I I almost threw up when I missed my five footer. Like, <laughs> like, like missing. That was for par. <laughs> yeah. Oh my like gosh. Missing a putt. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest putt of my career, and yep. you got five feet. And the worst putt. I mean, we had it. It was dead straight. And the last thing you want is a dead straight putt to win a tournament because you don't know if it's actually going to be dead straight. Oh. Go either way. <laughs> and you know, I missed that, and I was just like, I was so sick. I was like, oh my gosh, I just missed this putt to lose this tournament. But then, like, the team, like, I tap in my putt, and we win the tournament as a team. So, like, I go, and I, like, try to celebrate with my team, but I'm kind of just, like. You know you're going to a playoff. I, I kind of didn't even think about what was going to happen. But, yeah, it was like, yeah, wait, so there's a playoff now, right? But it was just, like, so much emotion going on because we won. I'm celebrating, but I'm also, like, missed the biggest putt of my career to win a tournament. So, I'm, like, <laughs> I was just, I don't even remember. It was kind of a blur, but. There's a lot of emotions. It sounds incredibly enjoyable. Yeah, it's <laughs> that I think the whole team was that way. Like, they wanted to celebrate, but, but like, he just missed the pot to win the tournament. They were so all there like, watching yeah. it. You're feeling bad, and you got to move on to the yeah. next thing now. But yeah. everyone else can kind of, hey, we won. We, that, yeah. That's a weird moment. It was that's a weird That's a super weird moment. Sure. Then take us through the, uh, the playoff. Yeah, so I go on, I sign my scorecard, and they're like, okay, you're doing a playoff coin toss. I get to call, it, call heads. I get the honors. I don't even remember, like, what the rules official looked like or anything that was like I don't know what was going on they sent us to 16 which is a pretty nasty little par three especially with some wind um and I've and we I gone through it and the first time I chunked a pitching wedge short just to the front edge so I was like Todd I think it's just that same pitching wedge it was like 166 but downwind and I hit it and you could see the wind just kind of catch it and like the ball was like going too far and if you go long in the screen, you're dead. You make bogey. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, sit. And it hits on the back edge of a really firm green and somehow spun back mm. and left myself like 10 feet. Um, he hit it to like 30 feet, missed his pot, and then I had that 10-foot pot to win it again. You give me two chances, I'd probably make one of them, right? So there you go. Rolled the 10-footer in, and then we could all cheer as a team for, for both. <laughs> so that was like the real celebration. That was the real celebration. <laughs> right there. I told yeah. you it was dramatic. This that, is, that this is, is that is crazy. And it's the last WCC tournament, and the whole that you guys are leaving. There's the pressure. Of that I mean, what a performance! It was a real clutch performance. All right, before you go, uh, we were talking during the break. It, like you mentioned, the scenario you had to get clearance from a rules official, Carson Lundell, who finished top ten as well, I believe eighth, right? Yep. Yeah. He breaks his driver on the first hole. Like he has a dent <laughs> in his <What>? driver face. <laughs> like, could yeah, it get any more? How'd you do with that? We, he comes up to me on the first fairway, you know, he just kind of hit a little shrimp hook right into the edges of the trees. And I'm going, what is the deal, Carson? And he's like, hey, we may have a problem. 
And he, you know Carson, he always says it kind of in a humorous way. And he goes, feel my driver, and there was a little dent in the bottom of the driver. And that's why it just kind of dropped out of the air, mm. no spin. And so I'm like, I know they've, the USGA has changed the rule in this last year. They just changed it. You have to be able to visibly see some kind of problem with the driver. So I went to the first rules official. They're like, no, how are you going to change out the driver? I'm like, okay, you don't know that much about the rules. I'm going to ask for the head rules official. So the head came in, and he actually gave us the ruling that, no, we couldn't change the driver head. And so during that time, I'm like, hey, Carson, do you have the extra one Titleist sent you to be able to replace it if you had a problem? He goes, no. <laughs> so I asked Zach, and luckily he had his. Meantime, they call the USGA. They say, yeah, he can replace the driver. So I drive the cart back to the car, <laughs> get through the luggage, grab the driver head, and he replaces it on the third hole. And Carson just rips one right down the middle. I'm like, yes, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a course. It, you hit a lot of drivers on this yeah. golf course. Mm. And so you don't want to be hitting five. He has his next club in his bag is a five wood. And so you don't want to be hitting driver or five woods on these par yes. fours and par fives. So and you needed was, every shot here. Yeah, it came down to the wire. Absolutely. So it was it was a little it was a little crazy to start off wow. as a coach. You know, holy cow! You saved a day with your extra driver head as well. Right. And I thought about I was thinking about like man, do I really pack this around in my suitcase? And yeah, I put it in there. Carson, put it in. Holy cow! You're welcome, Carson. Yeah. From Zach. <laughs> <laughs> now he's claiming that his driver's been dented for a long time. <laughs> That's the reason. Oh yeah, that's why. And then, then I'm talking that his his rangefinder battery goes out two holes later, and he's like, sends me a text. He's like, stand by, I might have other problems going on. <laughs> the problem child, Carson Lindo. Uh, awesome. You're headed to regionals now. Congratulations yep. on everything. Thank An you. amazing weekend. So Tomorrow's the selection you. show. Watch yeah. that on the Golf Channel. Yep. We're gonna need to talk to you before you head out too. Yeah, this it. was way too yeah. much fun. Yeah. So we'll figure out another time. Thanks, guys. Congratulations, yeah, good luck. Zach Congrats. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. We're not giving those back to you, by the way. We're just giving them. Uh, Sopo looks to bounce back from yesterday's loss to number two UCLA. A couple of homers from the Cooks. They take on Pacific. Doubleheader coming up Friday, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Up next, this week's Top 5 Tuesday features an elite connection. Specifically, two guys who got drafted into the NFL. Details on the way. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Let's play Top 5 Tuesday, specifically NFL Draft Edition with the top five connections between Jaron Hall, new Vikings quarterback, and Puka Nakua, a new member of the Los Angeles Rams. Start us off, Jaron. Number five, the over-the-shoulder tiptoe 31-yard catch against Arkansas. This oh, was yeah. a great game from Puka Nakua and oh, Jaron yeah. Hall. Fourth and eight to make it first and goal. Isaac Rex scored on the next play. Puka had eight catches, 141, and a touch. This is a great throw. And a great catch. On fourth down. Amazing. Amazing. Number four, 26 yards of awesome touchdown catch in 2021 against Virginia in a game that featured 115 combined points. It was a shootout, <laughs> dude. Puka's first touchdown at Loyola Bellwood Stadium, by the way. BYU wins 66-49. Number three, 16-yard toe tapper at uh, against uh, Baylor in 2021. This was a great game by Puka. Look at this. Mm. My goodness, uh, five catches, 168 in a touch. 
And that one, BYU lost that game, but got revenge next year against Baylor. Pukunakua has a propensity for utilizing his little piggies at an elite level. And you'll his see little that. little piggies? <laughs> at number two, okay? Another tiptoe grab from Puka. Are this these all tiptoe? At Boise State. See? This little piggy found the inbounds line. But wait, this isn't his best against Boise State. Really of course, isn't. number one is the game-winning kind of bobble, grab, tiptoe against Boise State. 31-28, 145 left in the game, and BYU wins. BYU wins on the blue in perhaps the final game between these two teams. Snapped a four-game losing streak. His best game at BYU ever. Yes. 14 catches, yes. 157, and two touchdowns. Jaron Hall just throwing dimes in this top five Tuesday. And Puka Nakua doing what he does. Big play Puka, as the Rams social media account put out I agree. after they drafted him. Big time. I also love that they said, when you're here, you're Ramily. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so many puns. Our question of the day, what does BYU, speaking of wide receivers, need to add at that position to make you feel confident in this group after losing Cody Epps through the transfer portal? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from at N underscore Crowley 19 on Twitter says, well, if I have a magic wand and I get to choose, it's some sort of combination of Puka Nakua's athleticism, oh boy. Austin Collie's route running, yes. mm -hmm, Cody Hoppin's ball skills, and Puka's, and Jonathan Pittman's clutch ability all mixed into one player. He's not asking for much, Jim. And, and Mitch Matthews' height? Question mark? <laughs> uh, can we just get all of that? Said if we got that player, I'd feel good. Uh, yeah. So we need a five star? <laughs> right. That's all we need. That's super That's simple. All, at least it's a small ask. Yep. Today's Rise is shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Dawson Baker, good to have him at BYU. And then, of course, BYU women's soccer, about 30 minutes into a game, uh, you know, in Austria, Vienna right now. Greg Rebell tweeting out uh, what's going on. Cool picture earlier today, uh, just about half an hour ago, right here in Austria, BYU taking on, uh, you know, and having the USA flag, which is awesome. pretty cool. Love that. Thanks to all of today's guests. Sorry, Dennis. No time. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Mike Reed. Go Cougs!